Oh, it's it's more than I could have hoped for. It brings more enjoyment to every one of these sports than I had before. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 40, Bruno Lutz, teaching your kids adventure sports. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Now, this is the part of the show where I usually say, we have a fantastic guest for you today, but I'm going to pause for just a moment today to say thank you. Thank you for helping us to grow the podcast. Thank you for all the people that you tell about our show. Word of mouth is the absolute best way to spread the news about the Adventure Sports Podcast. And as this show grows, that enables us to continue to bring you the fantastic interviews, amazing guests, really fun stories that you enjoy. So please continue to do that. Tell your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast. We really appreciate it. Also, we have several ways that you can get in touch with us. If you go to our website, adventuresportspodcast.com, in the left margin, if you scroll down a little bit, there is an orange Contact Us button that allows you to send us an email, and here's what we would like. We would like for you to tell us what you like about the show, of course. We would also like for you to tell us what you don't like about the show. And we would love it if you tell us about different sports that you would like to hear on the show, and also tell us about amazing guests that you would like for us to interview. We'll get them on the show for you. This podcast is for you, the listener. We want to make sure that you are getting the information and the content that you love and that you're excited about. So thank you in advance for sending us that email. And please don't worry, we're not going to abuse your email address. We send out a group email about, oh, once every week or two, just as a podcast summary. And you can unsubscribe at any time. But we don't share your email address with anyone else. And we use it just to make sure that you stay informed about the goings-on at the Adventure Sports Podcast. Now, on with the show. Today we have a new angle on adventure sports. We have Bruno Lutz with us, and we're going to discuss doing adventure sports with children. I know that when my wife and I first had kids, suddenly things changed. It was more difficult to go out and do all the sports that I did before, and learning how to incorporate kids into the sports was great for the family. It was good for me, and Bruno is a bit of an expert at this. So Bruno grew up in Colorado, and he loves the outdoors. He has several adventure sports that go with the seasons here in Colorado. Uh, He's an engineer, and A few years back, when he started having kids, he started figuring out ways to get the kids involved in skiing, camping, mountain biking, kayaking, rafting. Bruno, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kurt. So, Bruno, take a few minutes to tell our listeners about yourself and about your adventure sports. Sure. Like you said, Kurt, I grew up here in Colorado, and Colorado is just a great place to get involved in adventure sports. I've been doing them all my life. The main ones that I do, and I do them seasonally, I love how Colorado has different seasons where you can switch from sport to sport and start the next one while you're still excited about the previous one. My main sports are biking, skiing, kayaking, and camping that goes along with all of those, just heading off into the Uh, backcountry and participating in these sports and having fun with friends and and, uh, camping along the way. You know, that sounds like a life well lived, in my opinion. You have a variety of things going on and you have something for every season. That's really cool. I think there are a lot of people that are trying to get that kind of a setup in their lives where they they always have something to do. So, Bruno, um, you were very active in these adventure sports. Tell us a little bit about, for instance, your kayaking. 
Yeah, kayaking was uh, probably the latest sport that I took up. I did that. I started that maybe 20 years ago in uh, college. I had a friend that introduced me to it, and I was hooked instantly. And uh, that kind of took over some of the biking that I usually did all summer long. And uh, spring in Colorado is just a great time to, to go kayaking. There's a, an association, Colorado Whitewater Association, that really helped me get involved in kayaking. And they have great programs for introducing new kayakers to the sport, for training, for taking you out on rivers that you may not have done previously. And uh, progressed from being a, a, a beginner in college up to uh, Class 5 kayaking, which became... Very exciting. Lo- loved loved kayaking. A great way to see different parts of the country and, and different valleys that you don't see with other kinds of sports. So Class 5, describe what that is for the listeners. Kayaking is graded from Class 1 to 6. Class 1 is a lake, essentially. Class 2 is moving water, but no waves. Class 3 is uh, waves that could swamp a canoe. Class four is you need to maneuver through rapids to avoid hazards and obstacles. Class five is where it starts getting pretty serious and uh, getting offline can result in uh, different kinds of mayhem. (laughs) Um, Class six is considered unrunnable, but uh, is run more and more frequently nowadays. I've never done class six. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard it said another way is that class four self-rescue might be difficult, might not be, but it might be. Class five self-rescue is often difficult, meaning that if you come out of your kayak, you need someone there to help you out of the water. Yes, that's that's a good way of describing it as well, yes. And then class six is uh, you're, you're taking your life into your hands if you do come out of your kayak. <laughs> I saw a video of a guy doing a class six run, and his kayak and himself and his paddle and everything got sucked under, just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it, it didn't even matter that he had a boat and a kayak there. It just took him, swallowed him whole. Yeah. And yeah. He, he probably didn't pop up. Of course, he never saw his boat again, but he, he probably didn't pop up for a good 45 seconds, maybe a minute. And at that time, they plucked him out of the run with a helicopter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't have gotten out of the water had it not been for the helicopter. So that's class six. So yeah, I'm glad to hear you've not done that. I have not done that. I have been underwater for quite a while, even on class five. Um, There's a good uh, video of me on YouTube in Gore Canyon getting sucked under in uh, Gore Rapid and not popping up for about a hundred yards downstream. Oh, and uh, that one that one shook me up a little bit. And uh, I had I had kids at that time and kind of made me reevaluate uh, where I want to take kayaking. You know, that's what you call getting worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar experience with kayaking, though I never got the skill level that you have. Um, but it was a class four run that I had to swim through, went through a, a rock garden and got pretty bruised up. And I looked at it and I said, hmm, all I could think of are my kids. And I said, you know what? I'm not really having fun anymore. <laughs> right yeah. now, I just want I just want to be home with my kids. And uh, that changed my approach to, to whitewater for certain. So what about skiing? Skiing, I <clears throat> uh, took up with my dad when I was about eight years old and um, have loved that ever since. I would say of all the sports that I do, skiing is probably my first love. Um, probably always will be. I don't know what it is about skiing, but um, it's always been my favorite sport. I've done more as I, as I get older. I've switched more to telemark skiing, but I've always been a downhill alpine skier. I still do that, um, switch back and forth between telling and downhill. I, I love them both for different reasons. And um really excited to get my children involved in skiing. That was one of the first sports that I started with them. Oh, yeah. Very cool. And mountain biking. What about that one? Yeah, mountain biking was another one that I've uh, started in about college. <clears throat> Never really saw a mountain bike before that, but I've been biking my whole life just on BMX bikes. And it seemed like mountain biking was a natural transition from the 
fun that we used to have on on our BMX bikes when we were kids. And so really got involved in mountain biking, exploring new areas. When I got the freedom of college to just head up into the hills around Boulder and, and explore on my mountain bike. You know, since we're in Colorado and you grew up in Colorado, it's not too uncommon for people to have these sports here. But in other places around the world, people are going, wow, he does all this stuff? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, Colorado's just really conducive to it. Right. And we're really blessed here that we can do it all. I think that it's easy to think, well, I, yeah, I ski and I kayak and I bike. But for a lot of people, that's that's pretty unique. Bruno, I want to point out to the listeners, you not only do this stuff, but you've done it well. You've taken these sports to advanced levels. I'm really glad we can have you on the show to talk about what happened when the family came along. I had a similar experience where I was doing my adventure sports and then started having kids, and it's kind of like, whoa, throw on the brakes. Something's different now. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, even before my wife and I had kids, we both enjoy these these different sports, and I think we went into it wanting to not let raising a family change our lifestyle too much. We enjoyed our lifestyle the way that it was and adding kids was an addition to that rather than a subtraction. Um, it just added a whole new level of enjoyment to these sports for us. As we began to have kids, I wanted to introduce them to the sport. I'm 46 now and we had kids about six years, started having kids about six years ago six, seven years ago. And as I was slowing down in some of these sports, I really wanted to introduce them. And I found a new enjoyment in these sports as we had kids and as I introduced them to these different sports. So um, what are the ages of your kids? My daughter is eight years old now and my son is six. So six and eight. So they're, they're still quite young and already doing adventure sports, but I know that you started them surprisingly young, perhaps. So tell us how old the kids needed to be before they could get involved in these various sports. So camping was the first one that we did. We took my son camping. He was born in the summer, so it was, it was easy to do. We took him camping at uh, 10 days old, and my daughter was born in the winter, so we waited a little bit longer for her. <laughs> um, skiing was the next one we got them involved in. They both started at uh, 10 and 11 months. Uh, rafting was the next one we got them involved in. And rafting is a sport that I took up specifically for the family because kayaking is something we have to wait a little bit longer for them to be um, comfortable in a kayak. The, the equipment allows children about in the 68 years range to, to start kayaking, but at a younger age, rafting is a better way to get them on the rivers. They started rafting at about 18 months and then, uh, biking as soon as they could, uh, get on, get on a small strider. So it was about two or three years old that they started uh, riding bikes. So a strider, that's the, the bike without the pedals where they can push with their feet. Yeah, that's a great invention for introducing kids to bicycling. Um, fantastic invention that we didn't have when, when we were children. Oh, yeah, I think it's so much better than the whole training wheels idea. Right. I think the training wheels actually teaches them bad habits in, in riding a bike and makes the transition much more difficult. Where striders, they can go from a strider straight to riding a bike without much assistance at all. We had scooters when we were children, and, and that's how I learned how to ride a bike, was just riding a scooter around, and then that teaches you the balance and how to steer into the fall. And so that's that's a good transition, but the striders are even better. <laughs> you know, with my uh, oldest son, when we first got the bike with the training wheels, I was, I was pretty excited, you know. I put him on the bike. He had it on his helmet, but I, I pushed him down a, a little incline and said, Ride! Of course, he turned sideways on the incline, and the training wheels didn't save him. He right. just went over anyway. And I, right. my wife said, well, "What kind of a dad are you?" Well, <laughs> maybe normal. <laughs> 
Have you ever wished that things were just the way you wanted them to be? How about if you had the chance to tell a whole nation how to run things? Well, now you can. The Ultimate Adventure Sports Initiative is eager to receive your ideas, projects, and dreams to help turn the nation of Ecuador into the Ultimate Adventure Sports Experience. Visit UltimateAdventureSports.com and let the world know what you think. That's UltimateAdventureSports.com. You can also visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash ultimateadventuresports. Enjoy something wild next winter. Enjoy a dog sledding vacation with Wintergreen Dog Sled Lodge in the beautiful Boundary Waters Wilderness near Ely, Minnesota. For over 30 years, Wintergreen has provided lodge-to-lodge dog sled vacation packages and dog sled camping adventures for people of all ages. No experience needed. Warm clothing and boots are provided. Mush your own team of Wintergreen's handsome and friendly Eskimo dogs on scenic Northwoods trails, accompanied by Wintergreen's expert guides. You'll be in good hands with Wintergreen. National Geographic has rated it best in the business. Visit dogsledding.com for details. It's easy to get excited and want to get these kids going. Yes. But, wow, you guys really started at some young ages, so I'm sure you had to adjust the sports to accommodate the ages of these kids. Right. How long was it before your kids were able to go mountain biking on a mountain biking trail with you? So even that is amazing. There are trails being built now that they can ride at very young ages. <clears throat> um, Fruta has a trail called Kessler's. Uh, Kurt Gowdy in Wyoming has some great beginner trails. Moab is creating really nice trails. And I see families with children on on, uh, striders out there riding some of these trails. And so they're out there at, you know, the age of four, three, four, five on these trails on their striders um, before they even can ride a real bike. And uh, it's amazing to see. That's fun. Talk about skiing for a minute, though. You said 10 months is when you started your kids skiing, and a lot of people would just be blown away by that. In Colorado, we see it, right? But it's not that common. How do you get a kid to ski at 10 months? So the the trick there, so they, they can't walk at 10 months, but they can stand. There's a company out of, I believe it's out of Aspen, called Apple Rise Sports, um, it's a skier in Aspen that created this equipment, and they have uh, different equipment. They have harnesses, like we see a lot of kids wear. Although their harness, I think, is is the best, and I'll tell you why afterwards. Um, but to get them started early, they have what they call a, a ski bar, and it's it's like a little poma where there's a bar that goes behind their legs, comes through their legs and then has a handle that they can hold on to. And as long as they can stand, you can pull them around on this like a Poma. So we would actually take them around just on the snow around the house or when we're up in the mountains, take them around the place that we stay up there, just in the parking lot. And you'd think they wouldn't be gaining a lot of skiing ability from just pulling them around like this, but it was amazing you could actually, the first time you pulled them, it was like pulling a sack of potatoes. They just stood there and and you pulled them along. But then you could feel them start using their edges. And we would take them then up to the ski areas. We took uh, both of them. We started up at, at a basin on the magic carpet that they have there at about 10 and 11 months. And we'd ride the magic carpet up with them and then... First couple times, we would walk them down the uh, run with the ski bar. And then we'd, uh, after a couple times of doing that, I'd strap my skis on and I'd have them ski behind me. And you could feel them after a few days of doing this, you could feel them progress and start using their edges and helping you turn them. And it was uh, pretty amazing to see. I'm going to do a little bit of translating for people that aren't familiar with skiing here. So rewind for a second here I, I can just see the mom looking over at her 10 month old and thinking about a kid going down a mountain on skis at that age and just saying what <laughs> is this child abuse <laughs> um, so the harness is a system 
that allows the kids to be strapped safely so you can hang on to them so they can't get away from you. That's the first thing. Yes. The second is that with the ski bar, they're being really supported. It's almost as if you're just uh, have them in a walker, except you're dragging them across the snow. The it, it's different than that. So the the ski bar, they actually have to stand and all on their own. The only thing that the ski bar does is give them forward momentum, and so they have to be able to stand on their skis, and then you just pull them along, and that also lets you start them and stop them. It also lets you turn them because they don't know how to turn at that age, obviously, but they have to be able to stand. And while they're standing, they learn how to edge their skis and use their balance to keep from falling over. It's, it's all up to them to stay upright, to stand and not to fall over. And so they they are actually learning quite a bit when you're pulling them with the ski bar. You know, it's an unnatural feeling to be moving when you're not walking and when people slip on ice, they always feel like they're going to fall, right? I mean, that's the, that's the first response to sliding. Right. And so for kids to be able to capture, okay, I'm moving while I'm standing, you know, and, and ingrain that as part of their dexterity, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing because if they can do it at that age, then it just seems natural from that point forward. Right, right. If, if uh, people are interested in seeing what the ski bar looks like, there is a YouTube video of Zuri skiing at 11 months. If you just uh, go to YouTube and search for Zuri skiing, uh, Zuri's name is spelled Z-U-R-I, and you can see what the ski bar looks like. You know, I started my uh, kids skiing at about the age of two, and I had them in a harness and with a leash so I could hang on to them and, and try to help them to ski. But I think the ski bar is... a definite improvement on that. And the, the nice thing about the equipment that uh, Apple Rise creates is it's a progression. <clears throat> so they have the ski bar, which as soon as they can stand, but before they can walk, you can start them on the ski bar and then you transition to the harness. You have different pieces of equipment like the tip wedge, which holds the tips of the skis together so that they don't uh, splay apart it's it's a nice transition of equipment to get them uh, progressing through the sport. The harness, as we discussed a little bit, I think they make a really good harness. A lot of the harnesses you have to be careful of because it attaches around their chest. And if you have one that, that uh, attaches around the chest, you're pulling them into a, an awkward position. It works good to keep them from getting out of control, but you're not teaching them proper ski form where they need to be leaning forward. You can imagine for the skiers out there, if, if you had somebody pulling back on your chest while you're trying to ski, it'd make it really difficult to ski, and it's the same way with kids. The The harness that this company makes attaches around their hips. Um, it, it's kind of like the little climbing harness almost, and it and there's a, a strap that comes out from each hip, and you can fly them like a kite almost using one of these harnesses. So it, it rather than pulling back on their chest, it, it, it pulls on their hips and you can steer them into turns. And I could take my children through tree trails and I wouldn't hold them back. They would have to learn how to turn and slow down on their own. But I would just use the harness to steer them to slow down their speed. So rather than pulling back on them, I would pull on the right or the right strap and that would turn them to the right. And then I'd pull on the left and it would turn them to the left. And they got the feeling for turning back and forth across the hill to slow down their speed rather than relying on a, on a wedge and going straight down the hill in a wedge. My son um, got the benefit of me working out all the kinks on my daughter and he actually learned to ski without ever learning to wedge at all. Um, wedges are great. That's it's a common way to teach skiing, but it's kind of hard to break them of that habit uh, later on when you want to transfer from wedging to parallel turns. <clears throat> My son never really learned how to wedge. He just we taught him to turn back and forth across the fall line to slow his speed, and it wasn't until he was a couple years later that he learned to wedge all on his own, but it was easier to break him of the habit then. Oh, that's awesome. For people that have never skied, the wedge allows the inside edges of your skis to kind of form, uh, I guess, a break against the snow. Right. And so that allows you to ski very slowly straight down the hill. 
Right. It's very exhausting. <laughs> it's hard work to do it that way, um, but it gives people early control. So what you're saying here, Bruno, is that uh, your son never had to go through that. He was able to just do parallel turns and straight out of the chute. That's got to be nice. It is. It is. And when we took him off of the harness, um, he was only on the harness for probably three days until he he knew how then how to turn his skis so that he could slow himself down without wedging and even when he got to steeper hills then he would just do these tight little turns all the way down the hill because that's the only way he really knew how to slow himself down and so he he uh, again he he got the benefit of us working out the kinks on my daughter and he was only on the harness for maybe three days before he was able to transition off of that and ski on his own you know, what you're describing for us is a way to get very young children involved in really cool sports safely. Right. You know, and I think that's the main point here is a lot of people say, oh, I've got kids. I've got to, I'm either going to be with my kids or I'm going to be doing my sports. I can't have both. And I got to wait until they're like eight years old before I can get them into this stuff. And so I know that I personally started to feel like, man, am I going to have to just give up all the stuff I love to do? I mean, I love the kids more, but there's always that, but, you know. Right. But what you're describing is that there is a way to do this safely, and it can actually benefit the kids. I mean, think about what the gift is that you've given them, that they know how to do these sports at a young age so they'll be proficient earlier in life and safer for the rest of their lives. Yes, and they, they, they just love it. it. It's a little difficult to get them out there as, as early as 11 months. It's not necessary to do that, certainly. I did it because we enjoyed it. Um, you can get them out there at two and three years old and not spend as much time in those, in those early ages, and they can become just as proficient. But uh, we, we really enjoyed doing it with them. Um, it gives a whole new enjoyment to skiing green runs again and skiing tree trails again. Yeah, we just found a lot of enjoyment in introducing them to these sports at an early age. And like you said, it's it's uh, all about the safety when you're doing it with small children too. I have to say that when I started skiing with my kids, before that, I had gotten to the point in my downhill skiing that I was a little bit bored. You know, there was nothing on the mountain that was really a challenge anymore. It was just, can I do it better? And I was starting to think, well, I don't know. But it, when I introduced my kids to skiing, you probably had this experience, Bruno. The joy that I saw on their face became my joy. Yes, yes. And and the, the amount of confidence, that that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about with all these sports, the amount of confidence that they get in, in doing these sports at an early age. And you just see them progress, especially with skiing, where they have the the green runs, the blue runs, the black runs. And now both of them are skiing double black diamonds, which is, which are considered expert runs. And you can see, especially with my son, because he is, my daughter has always been more of a carefree, go for it attitude. And my son has always been cautious and calculated like I was. And you could see him analyzing, well, am I ready for the black? Am I ready for the double black? And this year he just really took off and, gained a lot of confidence and um it's wonderful to see your your children gain that confidence and really accept it and and have fun with it oh that's very cool so why would you encourage people to teach their kids how to do sports like these a, a few reasons um the, the re one of the main reasons we did it was time with the family um these are sports that both my wife and i enjoy and we didn't want to let raising a family alter our lifestyle. And so we made a conscious decision to incorporate our children at an early age into doing these sports rather than staying home and, and, and just waiting a few years until they're older and we're able to do them more proficiently. Sure, it's a lot of work to take them out at, at 10 months old, but again, we just really enjoy it and having them progress through those early ages again now with skiing they they already passed grandpa up so uh, <laughs> grandpa can't uh, hang with them on skis anymore <laughs> and uh and um my wife is is trying to keep up with them now and i probably only have a couple more years before i'm telling them to wait up 
So it is a little bit of work early on, but at an early age, they can become proficient that uh, it's not long before you're going to be asking them to wait up for you. And we didn't want sports where we would be on a chauffeur for them, chauffeuring them around from sport to sport and then sitting on the sidelines while they participated in them. We had a family so that we could enjoy family time, so we could enjoy the kids. And these are sports that we can participate with them as long as they'll let us, <laughs> as long as we can keep up with them. They'll, we'll be enjoying these sports with them and we can take trips around the country and maybe even trips to Europe soon, skiing with them. It's not the same with a lot of traditional sports, um, you know, soccer, football, baseball, where you're not going to be out there on the field with them, playing soccer with them. They're great sports. We have our, our children playing soccer uh, during the week, but uh, weekend sports, we want something that we can do with them. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. Well, hey, tell us a story that will kind of bring this to life to people. A story of an amazing experience that you had with your kids, how that... It, kind of confirmed that you're doing the right thing teaching these kids these sports there's um with with each of these sports that we do it's it's a different experience with with them just some of the little things really makes it special so when we're skiing with my son and he's um he was probably a year old at the time we'd be skiing down a run and he <laughs> on these on these ski harnesses he could just fall asleep with his head on the on the ski bar um so he'd stop on the side of the trail and he'd take a little cat nap for <laughs> for, uh, for about 15 minutes before before heading on rafting has been an amazing sport with with the children um, like I said earlier I was really into kayaking a lot kayaking is one of those sports that they have to do a little bit older. We can't start them, obviously, at 10 months uh, kayaking. We're getting them into it now, and I'm looking forward to that. When we had children, I, transi I transitioned over into rafting. That's a much more family-friendly sport at a younger age. And so we started taking them rafting at the age of 18 months. Um, some people might think that that's a little young to be uh, taking children on on whitewater, but we didn't do any whitewater at that age. We did rivers like the San Juan, uh, the Green River. These are desert rivers out in Utah that you really can't tell which way they're flowing. You get up in the morning and can't figure out which way is upstream and which way is downstream. They're flowing so slow and so flat. Some of these rivers don't even have a riffle on them for 20 miles. So they're they're very safe rivers. You still have to be very careful around any type of water with children. One of the things that we did with children so that we could take them around water was start with, uh, it was a course called Infant Swim Rescue. And this is a course where they can train infants if they fall into the water to float over onto their back and be able to breathe. They obviously can't swim yet, but they can float onto their back and stay there. I've seen videos of, of infants floating on their back for five minutes in a pool until somebody, you know, pulls them out. And so we, we do take precautions around, uh, around rivers, particularly around water. Um, but uh, getting them out there at an early age on these class one uh, rivers was really special. Uh, we had a we had a group of friends. They also had some young children, so we'd have a group of uh, I think there was about five children about that same age, eighteen months. Um, a couple that were 
a year and a half, two years, all the way. I think the oldest was about three years, and we've been doing rafting trips with them every year now, and that's been really special. I remember as a child going on raft trips on a Class 1 river with my family. Some of the best memories, family memories that I have, were drifting down a lazy river (laughs) in a raft. (laughs) And you know what? When you're little and you get in that raft, it is every bit as exciting as a Class 5 kayak run when you're an adult. (laughs) Yes, yes. They love it. And, uh, of course... We always have to keep our eyes on our kids very closely when anytime we're around water. But it's always been my philosophy that if you teach the children to be safe in the water as early as possible, then that's the safest option. That's a good point. That's a great point. And and going through some of these things, they really take it to heart and they they know the rules and they obey the rules and you you just have to set up boundaries for them to to keep themselves safe. And and they the earlier do that, I think the safer they are. Right. So share with us, you know, we normally ask, tell us a time that things did not go right. And with kids, you don't want to have times that things didn't go right, but there will always be challenges, special challenges in uh, working with young children in any situation. So tell us some challenges of uh, teaching kids sports at young ages. The We, ha- we did have... Um, Again, being around water is probably the most challenging. Um, You you really need to be careful around water. One thing that we did not realize when we were doing these flat water float trips is it's not rapids that are dangerous. It's not swift-moving water that's dangerous because there were no rapids and there was no swift-moving water. It's actually the shallow water that uh we weren't aware of um so we were on this was there they were a little bit older um my daughter was probably three years old when we were doing a a very shallow river up in wyoming and the she was playing around on the front we have a large raft it's a 16 foot raft that has 22 inch tubes on it and so the front bay is actually like a big playpen for them. They can just bounce around in there. And at that age, the tubes come up to their armpits um, or to their chest. So it's it, it'd be very difficult for them to fall out on, on flat water. But my daughter was not paying attention this time and, and not doing what she was told, keeping both feet on the floor of the raft. We did not notice her, but she had climbed up on top of the tube and she was on top of the tube and she slipped off the front and luckily she was holding onto the rope that we have going around the boat and she didn't fall in or anything but what i realized was at that time we were going over a very shallow section of the river that was six inches deep and if she would have fallen in she would have been underneath the raft. And that was very eye-opening, very, very scary. Um, and and, and a, a hazard that I hadn't really anticipated before. So there are, there are hazards that uh, you need to really be careful of and um, that maybe you don't anticipate. Oh, yeah. That, that's one that I would not have thought of. And I think it's great that you brought it up because other people need to know that that's, that's something to be aware of. Yeah. So it's not the deeper water necessarily because she would just bob around in her life fest and life would be good. It's it's actually when she hits the bottom and the raft is still moving. Right. Yeah. You can imagine a child getting wedged between a, a shallow river bottom and a, and a very heavy raft and it would be a, a terrible situation. Oh, that's... It's a scary thought, but you know what? Lessons learned for you and for your daughter. Yes. I think I know the answer to this. Those sorts of scary things happen at the city park. They happen in the living room. They happen, you know, no matter what our activity is. We love these kids. We're trying to do the very best for them, and they always find a way to surprise us. Right. But would you would you advise someone not to go rafting just because of this? That's a, that's an individual uh, decision. I would say of the sports that we do, um, rafting and water sports are probably the ones you have to pay the most attention at. 
Um, but it's the same, like you said, it's the same as a swimming pool. Unfortunately, there's a lot of children that die in backyard swimming pools. So I wouldn't say it's any more risky necessarily than everyday water sports. Um, yes, there are things that you need to be aware of, um, because it's not something that you do every day. Um, and there are, um, uh, factors in, in rafting that you just have to be extra cognizant about and take, take precautions, have a good set of rules. Um, but you always have to be diligent too. We had a set of rules that my, that she needed to keep her uh, feet on the floor. And, um, even if we have that, those set of rules, you need to be careful and uh, cognizant around, around water. So, it's an individual decision for for um, for I would say rafting, especially taking them out at at an early age. Well, I know where I fall on that. I, I really believe that giving kids water skills early is uh, it's the safest approach. So I think you did the right thing. Freakonomic they did an in depth analysis of the danger of having guns in the home, and you know that alerts a lot of people. Guns with children, oh no. And after they did the analysis, then they did a parallel analysis of children in swimming pools. And the conclusion they came to was that swimming pools were many, 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 many times more dangerous than guns in the house. And the reason I bring that up is because kids will always be around pools. It's going to happen. And you can't keep children away from water. So the best gift you can give them is is water skills early so that they can be safe. I think you did the right thing. Yeah, having having water skills and and being cognizant of maybe some of the unknown hazards that you didn't anticipate, and really in in rafting, I, I don't want to make it sound uh, too terribly dangerous because it, that that was one instance where um, we we really weren't aware of that. Most of the rivers we have been on are very deep rivers and. Even if they fall out, they have their life jackets on. They're a special type of life jacket that floats them onto their back and supports their head. All of that is is very safe, and we're very um, uh, watchful. We always have an adult uh, with the children at all times. There's never just one adult in the boat with children. There's always two adults in the boat with the children. And then um, around camp especially, um, we have, we set up boundaries even with ropes so they know where their boundaries are at camp and you're always, uh, very watchful of them. But, um, overall it's an amazing experience rafting with children. We had one experience. It was actually on the same river up there where a, um, <laughs> a, a adolescent bear cub came into camp and, climbed up a tree right over one of our tents and just hung out in a tree right above our tent. And, and you're saying, where's mama? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we, we backed up, uh, gave the bear wide berth and, uh, just watched him for a while. And, um, you know, that's an amazing experience that my children still talk about. So, you know, getting them out there at these early ages, um, um, Sure, there you know there's there's some risks, but there aren't uh, if around swimming pools there's there's risks um, and and the amount of uh, confidence that it gives them the amount of uh, just joy being with the family and the experiences they have are are amazing. I was uh, four wheel driving with a, a gentleman and uh, we came upon a dad and a son riding dirt bikes. And the the son was pretty young. He was on a, one of the tiny little, you know, 50cc bikes with the automatic clutch and, and all that sort of thing. But the man I was with said, I can't believe that, Dad. He, he should be put behind bars for taking that risk with that kid. And I thought, whoa, rewind here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just told him, no, the dad is teaching the kid how to do it safely, and he's spending time with his son. And this kid will know how to be safe on a motorcycle for the rest of his life. And uh, if you take a child and you 
try to keep them away from doing these things, at some point in their lives, they're going to try it, and then they're not going to have the skill set, and they're going to have to learn at an older age, and that's how people get hurt and make mistakes. Yes, and the thing that I've noticed with children is they become hypervigilant when you give them that freedom, and if they do something at a, at a young age that they haven't done before, even walking to the neighbor's house at a young age or walking a block away to a friend's house, I watched them the first time they did that at a young age on their own, and they were holding hands. They'd look across the street probably 10 times before stepping out there. If they heard any car within a half a mile radius, they just hung out on the sidewalk. Um, when you give them that kind of freedom, they seem to become hypervigilant and, and really pay attention to safety. You know, when you're teaching them to ski, when you're in the raft with them, when you're teaching them how to bike, all these things require them to participate in a safe way. And so you're teaching them safe awareness skills, which kids just don't get sitting watching television. So I, I agree. Yes, I, I think if you, uh, if you if you try to protect your children too much and do their thinking for them, they'll just think that you're there keeping them safe all the time and they actually become less safe by thinking that mom or dad will always step in if there's ever an unsafe situation and you give them some freedom and ability to make their own choices and decisions and they actually become more safe. You know, they'll probably be better drivers when they're 16, you know, that sort of thing as well. And you know that that they have developed a habit of being aware of their surroundings, which makes every kid and adult safer. So beautiful thing. Let's pull back a little bit to the overall view. We went into a lot of details about teaching kids adventure sports, and I applaud you. I, I think you've done a fantastic job. But I want to ask you the big question. It was a lifestyle decision that you made. Did it work out? Is it is it worth it? Was this a lifestyle that you wanted? Oh, it's everything I could have. It's more than I could have hoped for. It brings more enjoyment to every one of these sports than I had before. Sure, I'm not getting in as much class five kayaking anymore. I'm not doing the super difficult trails at Moab every time I go out riding. I'm doing some of the more easy trails with, with the children as they're progressing up through the sport. But those times spent with them skiing through a tree trail, exploring different parts of the of the mountain, or doing some of the easier trails in Fruta or Moab is every bit as as wonderful as doing some of the harder aspects of the sport that I used to do. I want to inject in here the perspective from the kids, too. Is there a single kid out there in America who wouldn't raise their hand and say, take me? That's another good point. You know, a lot of children nowadays, and my son is one of these, loves playing Minecraft, or, you know, we, we struggle with uh, being in front of the screen. But you give them the option between sitting in front of a screen and going on a uh, bike ride or going up to the local bike park and and riding on a pump track and they'll pick the bike ride um they'll pick the adventure every time you know it, it's a beautiful thing that you're spending this much time with your kids and parents listen it can be done and as bruno just pointed out it's extraordinarily rewarding don't leave the kids at home. I mean, sometimes, right? But don't leave the kids at home. Take them. Teach them. Spend that time with them. I don't think you'll ever regret it. You know, uh, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to look back and say, well, that was a waste. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are going to be the moments that matter. Bruno, do you have a funny story to close out the podcast for us? Yeah. You know, there's there's funny stories that happens when you, when you get very young children out uh, having these kinds of adventures. Um, one that sticks in my mind, oftentimes when we were without kids, we would head out Friday night after work and go out to Moab or go out to these different uh, areas that we would have our adventures, sports in. And uh, you'd get there pretty late at night. And we attempted to continue doing that with the children, but that sometimes meant that we would get there pretty late at night. They'd be sleeping in their car seats, which are another great invention traveling with kids they can sleep on the on the ride out but uh, we got to moab and moab's a lot more crowded than it used to be and it's hard to find a a campsite anymore so we ended up 
driving around looking for a campsite till about two in the morning. Oh. My daughter, um, she was sleeping the whole time, so she, she was all right. But um, when we were setting up camp, she woke up and she gets a little loopy at that time in the morning. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, she and she was probably you know a little tired, but rather than being tuckered out, she would become wide awake and become very loopy. And so we ended up camping pretty close to the highway leading into Moab. That's the only place that we could find. And for the next half hour, hour or so, every big rig that came by on the highway, um, she would yell out, hi, hi, <laughs> hi, as the trucks went rolling by. And um, yeah, it was just, it was hilarious seeing this little, little uh, girl. She was probably you know, less than two, maybe a, a year and a half at that time, um, yelling at these trucks at the top of her lungs as they rolled by. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's part of the uh, the fun of having children out there at uh, at a young age and, and just seeing them enjoy life. Making memories. Beautiful. Yes. Well, Bruno, thank you very much for being on the show today. And for our listeners out there, take your kids out, do stuff with them, get out there and have some fun. <laughs> 